So we started uh, this series on the Beatitudes last week, and here we are in week two, and I, I hope, by the way, here's a, a little disclaimer, um, not a disclaimer, a little announcement. I, many of you got an uh, invitation to join us with the Beatitudes reading plan on version. I hope that you've seen that, that you accepted it. If you haven't, uh, make sure you're friends with me on version, and I'll make sure I send that to you. I'll try to remember to post that, uh, that link somewhere on Facebook or somewhere so you can get a hold of it. Or if, if you just can't find it and you want to join us, if you'll just send me a text message, say, I want to join the Beatitudes Bible reading plan. It's a daily plan that's going to take us almost through this series. Uh, then I'll make sure that you get that link. All right? So the first two things we talked about last week, and you'll hear this throughout our time together. The Beatitudes are two things. Number one, they're paths to genuine happiness. Anybody want to live a happy life? <clears throat> Somebody said, happy wife, happy life. I don't know how accurate that is. Actually, I do know how accurate that is. That's 1,000% accurate. But that's not the kind of happiness that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about true, eternal, forever happiness that can only come from our pursuit of Christ. And the next thing I said was that the Beatitudes reveal benefits of living life God's way. How many know God has a way? And when we follow God's way, things work out. Things go like they're supposed to go in our life when we follow God's way. So last week, we talked about being poor in spirit. If you didn't hear last week, I would hope that you jump on the website, watch that. So you can stay current with what we're talking about each week. Today, it's Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And that almost sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Not an oxymoron, but it's just contradictory. Blessed, happy are people who mourn. Aren't those polar opposites? Does it make sense that we are happy when we mourn? Well, I mean, a lot of things uh, when we follow Christ doesn't make sense to a world that's not following Christ. So what we're going to talk about today is how, to, how we are comforted in those times of mourning. And we'll start it with this. Here, write this down. There is joy even on the bad days. Anybody ever had a bad day? Anybody ever had a bad day like this week? Had a bad day this week. Anybody? Well, we're going to talk about that in a minute. There's joy even on the bad days because God's presence is constant. Would you agree with that? His purpose is perfect and His provision is enough. Let's pray together. Father, teach us today in the authority of Your Word what it means to be comforted even on the bad days. Father, I pray that you would teach us what true happiness looks like as we follow God's way. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's talk about a bad day. Here's, I read this story. It's supposed to be true. I can't confirm, but it was told to me like a true story. It's supposed to have been in a Florida newspaper, it was about a man that's working on his motorcycle on his back porch. He's working on his motorcycle on his back porch. He's revving the engine. Vroom, vroom. Well, guess what happens? It kicks off of his, um, 
what do you call those deals that you prop it up on? A kickstand. Kicks off the kickstand, flies through his patio glass door as he refuses to let go of it, drags him through the patio glass door, cuts him up. The motorcycle is laying on his wooden floor. His motorcycle's trashed. His glass door is trashed. And he is cut from head to toe. Sounds like a bad day so far? Oh, just wait. His wife, hearing the commotion, uh, calls 911, asks the, <coughs> the ambulance to come and, and take care of her husband. Apparently, they lived on this really large hill. So the wife goes down several flights of stairs to direct the paramedics to her husband. Their ambulance gets there, transports her husband to the hospital. And the wife, before she goes and meets him at the hospital, decides that she needs to get all the gasoline off the floor. Sounds reasonable. She takes a bunch of paper towels and wipes up the gasoline on the floor and throws them in the toilet. Husband comes home from the hospital, is despondent about his motorcycle that is destroyed and his glass door that is destroyed, decides to relieve himself in his restroom, sit down, sits down on the commode and lights up a cigarette. Sounds like a bad day? Just wait. Gets close to finishing the cigarette and whatever else he was doing there and thought it'd be a good idea to put the cigarette out in the toilet while he's still sitting on it. <laughs> Blows his pants off and burns parts of his body that we are not going to talk about in this context. His wife calls 911 again. The same ambulance crew shows up comes back up these several flights of stairs and the wife is escorting them down the flights of stairs and the, one, of, one of the paramedics says, how did this happen? She explains what happened. One of the paramedics starts laughing so hard. They dump the guy off the gurney and he falls down flights of stairs and breaks his arm. That is a bad day. You ever had a bad day that bad? Would you like to hear about my bad day? I'm going to tell you about my bad day. So Friday afternoon, now I'm just like you are. At the end of our work week, you, you begin to look forward to, you know, being done with your work, right? So I, I have this routine, and sometime on Friday, I will send Becky, who takes care of our bulletin, an, an outline about what to put in your, the bulletin that you're holding in your hand. And oh, by the way, the title was, Even on a Bad Day. And I'm having a great day. My wife has consented to, we have a date night on Friday nights, and she consented to go with me to the Chinese buffet for dinner. I was so happy. And so I, I do what I do every week. Not every week, but almost every week. I'll be done here, just with a text message, I'll be done here in just a little while. Go ahead and get ready so we can be ready to leave as, you know, as soon as I get home. And she's like, okay. So I get in the truck. It's about 4 o'clock, a little after. 
I sent a text message on my way home. Can you be ready when I get there? She doesn't answer. And which is, you know, not terribly unusual, but a little unusual. So I get home. I just figured she was busy getting ready. Maybe she was on the phone with somebody else. Not a big deal. Pull in the driveway like I do many, many Friday nights. Call her to let her know I'm there so we can get in the car, take off, have our date night at the Hong Kong buffet. So excited. She answers the phone, and this was her first sentence out of her mouth. Who decorated our house? Um, huh? She said, did you decorate our house for fall? And I said, I'm coming up because that's weird on so many levels. First of all, I am not a decorator. She knows that. I know that. All of you know that. And I, and I get upstairs, and she is frantic. And she says, I don't, I don't remember decorating this house. I don't remember changing my clothes. We're supposed to get out of town this evening. And she had packed a suitcase on Thursday, and it was by the bed on the floor. Who packed that suitcase? I said, you did. She said, I don't remember packing a suitcase. Who and she keeps saying, who decorated this house? Baby, you did. And I get her to sit down on the couch beside me. And I start asking her questions. I said, do you remember the ladies coming over last Friday night for the bonfire? No. Do you remember what we're supposed to do tomorrow? This was Friday night. Tomorrow was Saturday, obviously. We were supposed to have a family reunion in this building, by the way, in the Robbie Johnson Center. I said, do you remember what we're supposed to do tomorrow? She said, no. And she planned the whole event. I said, do you remember what we're supposed to do Sunday afternoon that we've been planning for months? And, and she started bawling, no, no, no. And so for about 40 minutes, I'm trying to figure out what's going on with my wife. I, I, I don't want to give you my displeasure with our insurance company, but our insurance company, you have to get pre-approval before you can do anything. So I'm on the phone with my insurance company trying to get pre-approval to take her to the emergency room and she is in another world now here's what's weird she never lost she knew who i was she knew who she was but events were gone just gone and it was <clears throat> one of the scariest half hours of my life because if you guys know donna my wife is sharp as a tack she is on her game all the time and she knew nothing and it was just so very very strange so i do i do what i do on for many of our uh, medical deals is i i, I got her in the car i was going to take her to the emergency room but on our way i called my daughter-in-law who is a nurse and I said, what is going on? And, and, and what, what do we need to do? And, and, you know, you're just asking all these questions. And then the strangest thing happened, y'all. As, as we're having these conversations, you ever, you ever watch the light bulb come on? You know, like, like with a dimmer switch. It was like somebody 
was turning the dimmer switch on her brain on really slowly and she started going the ladies came over we had a bonfire it's like and i started asking who came and she started naming the ladies that showed up and i said do you remember what we're supposed to do tomorrow she said the light bulb coming she said we're supposed to have the re and it, she started coming back slowly as we're on the way to the emergency room by the time we got to piedmont walton she was fine in fact before we left the house y'all I can, I can talk to you about my frustration because she's not here. But I, so the, the guy on the phone said, you need to get her to the emergency room right away. Call 911, get her there. And so I'm like, baby, we got to go. We got to go now. And she's like, hang on. And she starts fixing her hair. And I'm like, stop it. She's like, well, I'm not going to the emergency room unless I, you know, fix myself a little bit. And I was like, get in the car. So we get her in the car and... But y'all, by the time we get to the emergency room, she is fine. She is fine and hungry. And, and, and I'm thinking, do we need to, even, do we need to go in there? Do we, what do we need to do? And, and so we determined that we probably need to get her checked out before we get on an airplane tonight. So we get her, get her, in, the, uh, get her in the emergency room, and then they started using words like stroke. Not, not a word you want to hear. Am I right? And uh, so they, they didn't have a neurologist there, so they get a neurologist on, I, I called him RoboDoc. It's like a TV screen that they rolled around. It's the weirdest thing. So I'm not going to bore you with our, our entire 24-hour period. I just thought it was uncanny that an hour after i had prepared to teach you how to handle life on a bad day our day went from really good to really really bad i learned a couple of things through that process that i i think might help you in this process now let me give you i left you hanging let me give you some good news Donna is fine. She is home resting. Not alone, by the way. There's Kelly Johnson is sitting there with her. She's fine. She, she slept for about 18 hours after this whole process and wanted to be here, and I told her, and, and she agreed, honestly. It was, it was, she knew that she needed to stay home and rest. Uh, she had a tremendous ordeal. The, um, the good news is her MRI came back clean. Um, her heart ultrasound came back fine. Um, they did all the tests they want to do, save one that has to be done in her neurologist's office next week. Um, they told her, don't dare get on an airplane. So we're, our, you know, we canceled our trip. They diagnosed her with transient global amnesia, which is kind of rare. Um, and the, the, the beautiful thing and the, and, the, and the thing that we are praying and believing is that oftentimes it is a one-time deal and she may never experience it ever again. To God be the glory. And that's how we pray and believe. But for several hours, you just don't know. You know, my wife went from 
okay, we can go to the buffet to not remembering any events previously past or are, are coming up. Um, we learned some things through that whole process. <laughs> and they're all in my, in my notes that I had prepared to teach you about how to handle a bad day. First thing, write this down. Bad days happen even to people that love God. <laughs> how many of you know that you still live in a broken world? And that you're going to have a bad day. And that your passion for Christ and your dedication to Him doesn't preclude you from having a bad day. In fact, if you think that attending church, paying your tithes, taking the moral high ground precludes you from difficult days, you've been watching too many TV preachers. Bad days happen. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11 is a, is a hall of faith. And here's what, here's what Hebrews chapter 11 in it, in a historical retelling of men and women that love God with all their heart. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews eleven thirty five, there were others who were tortured, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Here's what we need to understand, y'all. And, and we don't talk about this a lot. You know why? Because it doesn't fill buildings and it doesn't sell books. That just because you are connected to the body of Christ and just because you pay tithes and just because you do things right doesn't mean that you won't have a bad day. It doesn't mean that from time to time you won't struggle with the cares of this life. Because in reality, thank you, sir. You're a man of God. <laughs> Read your Bible, by the way. Noah wasn't saved from the flood, was he? The Hebrew boys weren't saved from the fire, were they? Jonah wasn't saved from the great fish. Guess what? Noah was saved not from the flood, through the flood. The Hebrew boys weren't saved from the fire. They were saved through the fire. Jonah wasn't saved from the great fish. He was saved through the great fish. So I'm, I'm telling you that just because we love God doesn't mean that there won't be a trial and that there won't be a fiery time. Write this down. Sometimes life isn't fair. <laughs> but God is always right. We talked about that in our Sunday school this morning, didn't we? <laughs> you know, it's easy to write on Friday. It's a little hard when your wife is connected to machine after machine after machine. Because I do what you do. I, you have this thought, God, it's not supposed to be like this. We're supposed to be eating egg rolls right now. Right? In reality, 
God never promised you that you'd be free of difficult days. In fact, James chapter 1, the most, maybe the most challenging passage of Scripture in the entire Bible. James chapter 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Is God promising us trials of many kinds? See, he says, whenever you face many trials, not if you face many trials. To count it joy. Hey, we can all be real with each other here. That's hard to do. When they're wheeling my wife back in the emergency room, I wasn't going, woohoo! No, I was not doing that. Paul told Timothy, some scholars believe that this might have been some of the last words Paul spoke before he, he died. He said, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. And will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. That almost sounds like contradicting statements. The Lord's going to rescue me or I'm going to die. <laughs> what? what? Which is it? Is he going to rescue me or am I going to heaven? Yes! He's going to do both. And unfortunately, you and I may walk through some things on this planet that are uncomfortable. Some of you have buried parents. And a, a few years ago, I did funerals six weeks apart with parents burying 25-year-old children. And the, the thing we want to do is to, God, this isn't fair. It isn't fair. My question is, do you really want fair? Do you really want to get what you deserve? I'm going to say no. Because I know what I deserve. But God, because of His great mercy and His love for us, doesn't give us what we deserve. Sometimes this life makes us scratch our head and say, this isn't fair. And, and listen, it may feel that way, but, but hear my heart, God is always right. In fact, we said this this morning, if you're in conflict with God, if if you think things should be one way and God takes you down a different path, guess who's wrong? If you're in conflict with God, He's always right. <laughs> and it's, it behooves us to remember who this God is that we serve. He is always right. 
The word is righteous, by the way, which is just a fancy way to say God's always right. And, and, and a preacher that I, I listen to often says it this way, and I think this is a beautiful perspective and, and, and hope. See, I have questions, and you do too, about things that have happened to you in your life. Some of you have suffered abuse. Some of you have had awful things happen to you in your lifetime. And, and you love God, but you still have this thing in your mind where I'm just not sure why that happened. So I, I'm not sure why my, my mom got, got so sick and robbed 30 years of her life. I'm not sure why that happened. I don't know. But, but here's the right perspective. And this pastor I listen to has a, has a beautiful way of saying this. He said, in the moment that you see Jesus face to face. You know, we always have these ideas that, well, I'm going to ask him this. I'm going to ask him that. I'm going to want to know why this. And I'm going to know why that. He says, in the moment you see Jesus face to face, your first reaction is going to be, okay, I get it. You're not going to be, hey, I'm, I'm glad I'm here in heaven, but we, we got to have a conversation. I get it. I know now. And you were right all along. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 says, This plan of mine is not what you would work out. <laughs> Could you say that? That sometimes God's plan doesn't equal your plan? This plan isn't what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. This doesn't make sense, Dwayne. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. You know why? Because you don't have the same perspective God does. Remember, no one's saved from the flood. The Hebrew boys weren't saved from the fire. Jonah wasn't saved from the great fish. They're saved through the storm, right? Remember when Jesus walked out on the water? He, he met the disciples on the Sea of Galilee? You know, He didn't just magically pick them up out of their boat and take them to dry land. You know what they had to do? They had to go through that storm. Now, He calmed it, but they still had to go through the storm. I, I heard somebody explain it this way, and I think this is brilliant. If, if you take an orange and cut it in half, and put it under extreme pressure, what's coming out? What comes out under pressure is what's on the inside. If you take a dirty rag that you've just cleaned your toilet with, and squeeze it, what's coming out? Dirty water. You know why? Because that's what's on the inside. See, pressure, pressure doesn't create what comes out. Pressure reveals what's on the inside to begin with. And so maybe in this, in this moment of, 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 that you've, you've been challenged and you're in a difficult season, you're in a difficult time, and stuff's coming out that you don't like, well, guess what that pressure's doing? It's just revealing what was on the inside to begin with. So does that mean we need to change what's on the inside? Of course, that's what it means. 
Write this down. A genuine pursuit of God's presence promises purpose in our pain. A genuine pursuit of God's presence. Can I? I told them in in the prayer room I was going to have a hard time telling this story. Um, I'm, I can be emotional from time to time. I don't know if you figured that out yet. So we were sitting in the emergency room. <clears throat> Donna had had thrown this little blurb out on Facebook while she's sitting there. You might have seen it. And it said, Prayers appreciated. God knows. Well, well, guess what happens when you put that on Facebook? Her phone blows up. And so I, I, I did what I hadn't done since the boys left the house. I took her phone away. Put it on Do Not Disturb and put it in her pocketbook. I said, we're, we're not doing that right now. You're not responding to all these messages and text messages, you're not doing that. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to rest. And I put her phone away. We had this moment of silence, and I said, let's, let's do this, Donna. Let's, let's pray. Let's, now, obviously, we had, been, we had been praying. She'd been praying. I'd been praying. But we hadn't locked arms and prayed together until this, this moment. And y'all, it was the, and I, it, it took me my, a while to realize what happened. Because I got to tell you, once we got in the emergency room, I, I wasn't afraid for my wife's life. I was very confident that everything was going to be okay. I can't tell you where that peace came from. I just had peace. Now, was I concerned? Uh, obviously. But I just had this, I had this very supernatural peace is the only way I can describe it. I knew she was going to be okay. <clears throat> but my wife is laying in a hospital bed with all sorts of things connected to her. So there's... You're having that conflict of faith in, in what you're seeing with your eyes. Does that make sense to anybody? And so I said, I said let's pray. And, and I held her hand, and, and I prayed a very simple prayer. You know, sometimes we try to impress God with our words, and I, I just wasn't in the mood to do that. So I just prayed a very simple prayer for healing and for comfort and peace. And the only way I know to describe what happened in that moment was I had a collision between my incredible concern and love for, for my wife, who I've spent 37 years with, collided with an awareness that God was in that room. And His arms were around us. And that, that collision happened... At just the right moment for Dwayne. And I, I, I lost my voice. And I, I didn't, I, I was, I, I didn't want to, you know how, guys, you know, you want to be strong for your wife in that moment, right? You wanna, and I just, I didn't, I didn't lose it like a child. I just, I, my, my voice just left me. And I became to be very, you know, we talk a lot about God's presence in the difficult times. But I experienced it in a very, very tangible, real way in that room that night. And I didn't, I didn't know how to explain it. But God's presence on the bad days, 
You know, he never promised you that you wouldn't have those days, y'all. He never promised you that every diagnosis was going to be good and every bill was going to get paid. Never promised you that, did he? But he did promise you something. That you never have to walk through those moments alone. So I can, I can tell you with great confidence. God was with us in that moment. And he does promise purpose in our pain. So I began to roll over this Sunday where I'm going to tell you there's purpose in your pain and now my wife's in the emergency room. And I was like, Lord, I really wanted a good illustration. This is not what I wanted. God has this unique, beautiful way of taking... Don't misinterpret what I'm getting ready to say. God doesn't create your bad days. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness or shadow of turning. If it's good, it's from God. All right? So God doesn't create your bad days. But listen to what He will do. He will redeem them. And He will use them for your good and His glory. What, what, what good is coming out of this deal with my wife? I don't know. I have an idea. But God will redeem this moment in her life and in our family's life. God will redeem this and use it for her good and your glory. <laughs> Do you want to be like Jesus? Do you want to be like Jesus? Raise your hand if you want to be like Jesus. This was written about Jesus a thousand years before he was born. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. Jesus knew pain. And Jesus knew sorrow. And Jesus knew grief. And if you follow him, you'll have moments of sorrow. Whenever I do premarital counseling, I always, I always try to say this at some point. Your, your home is going to be filled with laughter and joy, and it will be. But there's going to be a few days where there might be some tears and sorrow. So what, why would God do that? Let me just remind you, by the way, that when God gave us the world, it was perfect. We broke it. Our sin created everything we walk through that is evil, sinful, and painful. Our sin. Our sin created transient global amnesia. So here's what we do. We trust a God who cannot fail. And we lean in Him in moments of our pain. And trust Him enough for Him to redeem them and use them for, his good and our, for our good and His glory. So I'm going to give you, I don't know, four things. Four things to, 
help turn your blessing, tur- turn your morning into a blessing. And y'all, I, I have I've given you this particular practical admonition many times. But I, I want to tell you, when I learned to do this, it changed my life. And that's to ask a simple question. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to teach me in this moment of pain, in this moment of sorrow, in this moment of this challenging moment? And I asked that question this weekend. Lord, what are you trying to teach us? And I think he answered my question, by the way. I think what happened to my wife was a 1,000% blessing from God. They don't know what causes this, but there is a marker that is present in almost everybody that suffers with transient global amnesia. And do you know what it is? Stress. My wife's schedule is wound too tight. She carries too much on her plate. And that's going to stop. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm convinced that she wound up in the hospital because she carries too much. So what God's trying to teach us is that she needs to carry what she's supposed to carry and let somebody else carry what she's not supposed to carry. And, oh, by the way, that's true for everybody in this room. When we carry stuff we were never intended to carry, it never ends well. That is better counsel than you understand that I'm giving you right now. When you carry stuff you were never intended to carry, I don't care if that's responsibility or sin, when you carry things you were never intended to carry, it will always result in a difficult day. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says. Listen. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. How many of you would... could? could say there's too many times where I try to get it done by myself. I'm going to tell you, that's not the way you're wired. You're not wired to rely on yourself. That doesn't mean that you're not supposed to work hard because you are. That doesn't mean that you're not supposed to carry weight because you are. But you're not supposed to carry weight that you're not intended to carry. A pastor I listened to says it this way. I love this. My pain is either a jail that imprisons me or a school that shapes me. That's good, y'all. My pain is either a jail that imprisons me or a school that shapes me. Second thing, I want you to remember this. That oftentimes God delivers through the pain instead of from the pain. Because what we want... We want God to take it away, don't we? And sometimes He will. Sometimes He will. I, I used to sing this song, and it was, it, it's been a long time. Y'all ain't heard Remember back in the day when, we, when at church you used to sing specials? Y'all remember singing specials? That, that meant somebody would come up and sing by themselves and usually couldn't sing very well, and people would sit on the road going, Help them, Jesus. Help them, Jesus. Bless them, Lord. Touch them, Jesus. Which means, 
who told this person they could sing? <laughs> right? So I was singing that special. And I love this song. And it says, sometimes he calms the storm. And sometimes he calms his child. God doesn't always deliver from the storm. Sometimes he delivers through the storm. And sometimes through the storm is his perfect plan. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. And on Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. He has delivered us, He will deliver us, and He will continue to deliver us. You can predict how God will help you today by remembering how He's been faithful in your past. There's never been one moment when God's forsaken you. There's never been one moment when He's left you by yourself. Not once. He will not start today. The, the third thing is to lean into community. And it, it, it really is not all that complicated. Let me, let me tell you what it looked like for us this, this weekend. Now, I, I, didn't, I didn't blast social media because I knew that folks would run up to the hospital, and I, I, I didn't want her entertaining people while she's laying there in the bed. Can you all understand that? But we had to let a few folks know because we had to prepare for today. And, you know, we had stuff going on with her family. Somebody showed up at the hospital. And, and just, just to love on Donna. But guess what they walked in with? Hot coffee for Dwayne. Because they knew I hadn't had any sleep. And, and now, now we chuckle at that. But let me tell you what that meant to me. You know, somebody... Somebody in my community, in my world, sees me and sees my wife. When they told us we were able to go home, well, obviously we let the boys know, we let a couple of folks know that we were on our way home. And again, I, I didn't blast it on social media because I, I know how much y'all love my wife and I know how much other people love my wife, folks at the school love my wife. And I, so I didn't blast it because I didn't want her entertaining people when she got home. What I want her to do is go home, take a shower, and go to bed, which is exactly what she did. But then, then some folks showed up with dinner. How many know when you get in the middle of that stuff, you forget to eat? Some folks showed up with dinner and just, Donna's passed out and sat there and kept me company. I'm, I'm going to tell you that you don't realize how desperately you need community until a moment like that. And, and so what I'm telling you is to lean into that. Here's what the Bible says. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. Listen, if we're community and we're family, guess what? Your burden is mine. And my burden is yours. And so I'm not just telling you all this to, as a sermon illustration. Here's what I'm expecting my community to do. Is to, 
after today's sermon is over with, is to call on God on behalf of my wife. I'm expecting you to do that. Because, can I tell you why? Because she's prayed for everybody in this room by name. There's not a soul in this room that she hasn't prayed for by name. There's not a soul watching us online that she hadn't prayed for by name. So I'm going to ask you to do the same thing for her. That's how we lean into community. You bear my burden and I bear yours. That's what the family of God is supposed to do, by the way. And maybe the greater reason, Matthew 18, verse 20 says, For where two or three gather together as my followers, here's what happens. I am there among them. When we gather together as followers of Christ and agree together, God gets right in the middle of it. And we need that. The last thing I'm going to share with you. <laughs> and this sounds so... This sounds like a platitude. It sounds like something we're just going to throw on a bumper sticker. Matt, you can come on. And that's... Here's the last thing I'm going to say to you. Well, that's, again, preacher's lie. Is this your last fill-in? Hold on. I don't care what you're walking through today. It's not the end. You say, you don't, you don't understand, Dwayne. I've, I've, got a, I've got a disease that's going to take me out. It's not the end. Not if you're a follower of Christ. Not if your life has been committed to the cross. It's not the end. I mean, no failure. I mean, that, that, that uh, your, your, uh, the, the end of your life, in the end of your life, here's what... <laughs> Y'all are going to judge me before I'm getting ready to say. But it's, it's okay. I very rarely get addicted to a television series. But several years ago, I got addicted to one. Like, I'm watching it. I don't care. If you're in my house, we're watching this show. I'm, thank you for coming, but get you some popcorn. And it was a show called Lost. Anybody watch Lost? A couple of you. Now, here's where you're going to judge me. I have watched it three times. I'm two episodes away from watching the end again. And, and the silly part of that is it was the worst ending of all. There's never been a show that had a worse ending than Lost. Ever. So why are you watching it again to see this horrible ending? I, I wish I could explain that to you. But hear me now. I know how all of this ends because I've seen the last episode. If you go to the very back of your Bible, it'll tell you how every bad day, how every hurt, how every sorrow, how every pain, how it ends. We're in the middle of a, the, the most tumultuous season this country's ever seen. Nobody gets along. The government's going crazy. The, the world's in an uproar. I know how it ends. Because I've watched the last episode. So if you go to the very back of the book, 
And you flip over one page. Here's what you're going to read in Revelation 21. And I heard a, heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God was, is with men. He will live with them. They'll be His people. And God Himself will be their God. And He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning, crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That's how your bad day will end. There'll be a moment when God redeems every tear. Do you know He saves them, by the way? It's in that, in that same book, by the way. He saves them. Every prayer you've prayed, He saves those two. There'll be a moment when all of that pain and all of that sorrow and all of those moments when you just have to hold on. Have you ever, ever, ever made this statement? I'll be so glad when this day is over. Anybody? Do you know that that is wired in you by God Himself? <laughs> See, every day is a brand new start, isn't it? He said in Psalm 30, verses 4 and 5, Sing to the Lord, you godly ones. Praise His holy name. For His anger only lasts for a moment, but His favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Hold on. Dwayne, I'm in the most difficult season of my life. Hold on. Listen, but don't hold on to the wrong thing. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold on to the garment of Jesus. Hold on to the never-changing, always good, always right hand of God. Hold on to God's purpose and plan for your life. Hold on for this one fact that He saved you and redeemed you from death. Hold on. Hold on to the fact that God loves you with an everlasting love. And that nothing comes into your life that doesn't pass through His hand. Hold on to every promise in that book. That even though it doesn't seem fair, God knows what He's doing. And He'll redeem your pain for His purpose. And He'll redeem your pain for His glory and your good. Maybe you're having a great day. Here's what I've learned. And I don't want to end this sermon on a depressing note. But I have learned that a great day can get bad real quick. But God never changes. His mercies are everlasting and His Word is true and sure. Hold on to that in the worst day. Hold on to that. That God can't change. That God is good. His Word is true. Will you bow your heads with me? Hey, maybe you're here and you just say, Dwayne, I'm having a bad day, having a bad week, having a bad season. And, and, and maybe it doesn't look like a physical thing, like what happened to my wife. Maybe having a bad day at work. I, I think it's in order that I share this with you with your eyes closed because I want you to imagine something with me. 
That word comforted. You know, if, if I comfort you, that's Dwayne patting you on the back or, hey, I'll pray for you or let me buy you a cup of coffee. Just doing the best I can to, to help you, make you feel better. But listen, I'm not God. When, when Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those in the middle of a bad season, blessed are those that have grief and sorrow, for they'll be comforted. Let me tell you what that word comfort means. That word comfort, in, in, the, in the language that Jesus spoke it, is more than a pat on the back. <laughs> it's more than, oh, it'll be okay. It literally means to walk alongside with. It literally, and here's, here's the picture I want you to imagine. As you're, as you're there with your head bowed and eyes closed, I want you to imagine the Son of God, the Savior of the world, just having a seat next to you and inserting Himself into your painful season. It doesn't mean He's going to take it away, but He will walk through that season with you. That's what comfort means. Comfort means I don't have to do this by myself. So if you, I'm, I'm going to pray for those of you that are, that are in this room and those of you that might be walking, that watching online, that might be walking through a grief-filled season, through a difficult day, through a difficult time, and there's sorrow. And you say, Dwayne, would you just pray for the comfort of the Holy Spirit in, in my circumstance? Just hands in the air. Amen. 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 Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name. <sighs> Thank you for comfort. That only you provide. I pray for those in this room, those watching online that need the comfort that only Christ can provide. Some struggle with addiction. Some struggle with depression. Some are just having a bad season. God, I pray that this morning we would all realize that there's purpose in that pain and that you can redeem it. So we pursue your presence knowing that there is purpose. We look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, for comfort today. And we thank you That even though you might not deliver us from the pain, you will always deliver us through it. For that we are grateful. Lord, I just pray that in the beautiful silence of this moment, that you would just bring comfort through the power and authority of your Holy Spirit. And we sense it today, Lord. 
God, we know that you are among us even when we don't feel you. We know that your promise is that you're here among us. But God, thank you for those moments just like now where we can sense and tangibly feel the presence of the Lord. Bring comfort that only you can. And today, we are thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless y'all. Have an awesome afternoon.